Hello, my friends. Today, I recap what happened to David Menzies yesterday. In case you haven't heard, he was arrested. For what? For trying to do journalism on a public sidewalk in the public interest about a public figure. I'll tell you the story if you missed it yesterday. Before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus because you've got to see the video. And that's the number one thing you get with Rebel News Plus. You get the video version of these podcasts, and I want you to see with your eyes the five police cars swooping down on little old David to arrest him. So just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. All right, here's the video. Tonight, a journalist was arrested in Canada for doing journalism. Why the deafening silence from other journalists? It's September 3rd, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. You're watching my nightly show that's behind a paywall. Only subscribers to Rebel News Plus get it, eight bucks a month or 80 bucks a year. My daily show plus weekly shows from David Menzies and Sheila Gunn-Reed. And you surely know about our YouTube videos. We post up to 10 a day. But I hope you also know that for almost six months now, we've been doing a daily live stream every day, weekdays, at 12 noon Eastern time. There's just so much news to cover and doing it live is a great way to cover hot stories while they're still hot. And we love the viewer feedback. It's uh, like a call-in radio show, except people can type in. It's called a chat. And YouTube has this thing called Super Chats, where people chip in a few dollars, their comment gets highlighted in a bright color on the screen, and it sticks around a little bit on the ticker. And we'd like to read those comments out because YouTube actually shares 70% of that money with us. Anyways, we do those daily. I do them three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, usually. David Manzi, Sheila Gunn-Reed do it a couple times a week, usually. Well, yesterday we had a special live stream and you may have seen it, but let me provide some updated news since then and to recap things if you didn't watch it. But the reason I tell you all this is because I want to make sure you're not missing out on one of our favorite ways to talk about the news, these daily live streams and your ability to chat back to us in real time. Okay, so we had a noon hour live stream as we do, and then we had a special live stream that started in the late afternoon because our reporter, the amiable David Menzies, was arrested. And we live streamed it from the location of more than 100,000 people watched the live stream we did from the actual scene. 100,000 people, actually it's, it's more than that now. And it was sort of rickety because the cell phone coverage wasn't that great and the wind made it really hard to hear, but still more than 100,000 people watched because they were shocked that a journalist was being arrested in Canada for doing journalism. I was shocked too and I was furious and I was spitting bullets, I was right there. And we had brought along the toughest lawyer we know, Giddy Mammon, and he took the high road trying to explain to the police why freedom of speech matters and how their instructions to clear a public interest journalist off a public street while he's doing journalism about public matters, how that's unconstitutional. They weren't there to listen to him. I was much more mad than Giddy. Here's a clip of me just spitting bullets, but really, what could I do? Not violating a noise regulation, we're not, we're not breaking the law. I'm not no, no, you, you, you believe that I advised my client to break the law, but I did not ask you I'm, to do that. I'm asking your client to leave. 
I understand. I understand. Okay, okay we're so not let's, here to argue, but right. it's a simple line. So let's just do that. This. You're not supposed to be here. They've told you to leave. You're not leaving. I'm telling you to leave. So you should leave. Right. I think it's incredibly important that no, you know, I'm not talking to him. and I'm talking I'm to you, talking to and him. I'm talking to you, you because you have to know this. Sir, sir after he can talk to you. Are you, you willing? Okay. Are you ready to leave now? I am not, sir. Okay, I am then I'm going to help you off the property. Let's go. Is he under arrest? Well, then don't touch him. Don't touch him. Take your hand off him. Take your hand on That's assault. That's assault. That's assault. That's assault. That's assault. Are you wanting to leave then? Arrest him or go away. You said that there's two options. Arrest him or go away, mate. Just okay. arrest him. Okay, I'll arrest, arrest him or go DPA away. Then. Okay, let's do Peel Regional Police, the sir? Brampton's finest, arresting a journalist for trying to ask questions of the mayor. Okay, again, They're errand boys for the up? mayor. Can we back up? Peel Regional Police pulling their men Let's off of a murder of a of a mass shooting at the cemetery. It's an officer safety. Yeah. Don't lie. Please don't lie. Stop lying. You're, you're at the back of my officers, my colleagues. You're not listening to me. You're not listening to the law, mate. You're not I, listening I to the listening. law. This is public property. There's a different standard for the Trespass Act take, in public property. Take it up a proper way instead of coming up here. Like, what's this no, getting? Why are you listening to a hand-scrawled note that's not even served? Does he have it in his hand? I could verbally ask you or tell you that you're not allowed on if, the property. If I didn't have the right to be here, he has the right to be here. Well, not when an uh, agent of the property has asked you not to. Not on public property, mate. You're confusing private property with public property. We will. Look at this. Four cars and all you cops pulled off the shooting file. You must be proud. I was so mad. We went there armed with the law. We studied the law in advance like we did when we went to Toronto City Hall. Remember that? Toronto Mayor John Tory had allowed a gross, unhygienic, illegal shantytown to be set up right outside City Hall, and he wouldn't enforce the laws against it. That's bad enough, but rather, City Hall Security and Toronto Police told us that we had to get off. We couldn't report from there, so we went back big time with bodyguards and lawyers, and we reasoned with the police, and it actually worked. The police knew we were right, and after haggling with us for, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, they just admitted it and, and let us in. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to walk there now, and that'll, be, that'll go one of three ways, I think. One is, I'll go by myself and I'll probably get attacked. That won't be good. The other is, you come with me, and I don't think they're going to lay a glove on you. But I know how tough it is to be a cop these days. They're filming everything, they're going to try and get you. It's tough. The third is, you arrest me. Oh, I don't want that to happen, but I am ready for that to happen. Because the only reason I'm here with 15 of my friends is because we were shooed away from the town square yesterday and thought the president of the company himself is going to come down and prove that in Toronto, the town square is a place where a journalist can go peacefully. So if that is not true, we need to know it. And if I get personally attacked, we need to know it. If I get arrested, we need to know it. So I'm going to do that now. Right. I'm going to do well, whether or not you guys is, are there. I did mention that to them, and, yeah. and they don't want you on the property right You know now, what? 1-800-I-don't-care. So. Uh, I mean, their opinion matters I, I, not at all to me. What I'm saying is, why don't you shoot some footage from here and get and get what you can get Cause, here cause while I'm we're not, standing here and make sure that you guys are safe right now. No. Um, right? Because I'm a free citizen and that's my town hall. That's my town square. That's right. the answer. Why? There's no other answer to it.
I'm explaining to you what security told me. If you're not happy with their... I'm not interested in playing legal games with mall cops, officer. So, I'm, so unless you have any last minute things to say, I am now going to walk with my bravest cameraman and David. I'm going to walk to the stairs. I hope I don't get beat up. I hope I don't get arrested. Those are two possibilities. I hope you guys will just walk with me to the stairs. I'll do five minutes of journalism and then I'll call it a day. Just to be clear, if I get a trespass... So, Moke, are you coming? I thought that was a magnificent performance of, um, I guess, outdoor lawyering. Um, we are asserting ourselves. You can already hear the moans from the sacred circle of the autonomous city. And we're being met with the mall cops, for lack of a better term. That was a good cop. He wanted to de-escalate the situation. He tried his best to wear me down. But in the end, I said, look, I'm going in and you know the law. And he did know the law and he let me in and it ended nicely. But not so much yesterday with David, no time for talking. The cop arrested David pretty quickly. And what could we do? Physically pull David away from the cop. There were five squad cars sent there, four marked cars and a ghost car I saw later. It was barren there before the cops came. This, uh, I understand it was David and me and our lawyer, Giddy Mammon, who we were just standing outside the arena on the public sidewalk and no one else was there. We weren't causing any trouble. There was actually no one else to cause trouble with. Uh, other than Patrick Brown's personal private security guards, the ones I call mall cops, they have no idea about the law. I knew more than them. For example, uh, did you know that you can't hide your identity if you're a security guard? Um, you have to show it. So they were looking to boss us around. I pressed them first just to push back at them. I demanded to see their license. One of them almost started to cry. Right. Uh, and certainly it, it makes this individual Can I, see, can I see your... I do not want you to take a picture of my license. Well, you, you have to... You. Yeah, you have to show it to me. Sir. You have to show it to me. It's the law. He wants to take a picture of my license. Yeah, it, you have to. It's the law. It's the law, mate. Don't break the. Don't break the law. That would be a bad start to today. No. No. He, he, he's, he's saying it's the law. It's the law. I got the law right here. Do you want to read it? Section 35. Do you want to read the law? You didn't show it to me, mate. Okay. I'm just going to show it. Can you please put your phone down? That's not what the law says. I, I will show you as... I'll no, the law it. says you have to show it. The law says nothing about putting I'm going to show down. it to you, but I don't want you to take a picture of my license. I won't take a picture of it. Why, why do you have your phone? Because I'm taking a video. Can you please close your video? No. I don't answer to you, mate. You answer to the law. The law says show your license, mate. I'll show it to you as long as you put your phone down. That's not what the law says. The law says, on request, produce the license. If you don't do that, mate, you're breaking the law. But it doesn't say that you're allowed to take pictures. <laughs> it doesn't say I'm not. I'm a free man, mate. I was mad because of how they had been treating our people. But look, those mall cops really have no power over us. What are they going to do, take us to jail? So we laughed at them, but it wasn't so funny when literally five police cars rolled in with real police just a few minutes later to arrest David Menzies, a 58-year-old journalist, armed only with a microphone, literally standing in the hot summer sun with me and Giddy all by ourselves. That's not real policing, folks. Not when literally that same day the front page of the Toronto Sun had a huge story about a gangland-style shooting at a cemetery in Brampton. 
part of a gang war. So many people were shot. And the Peel Regional Police, that's who polices Brampton, thought it was important enough to take five police cars worth of cops away from that gangland shooting investigation that chased down David Menzies, who was literally doing nothing more than standing in an empty parking lot on public property waiting to do political journalism. Why not just let us stand there in the sun until we got bored and left one, two, three hours later? Why send in practically a whole SWAT team? I was mad. Obviously, it was a setup with political motives. No real police would have done that on their own. And in the end, a $75 ticket for David. No criminal charges. How could there be? What could they do? But a ticket for 75 bucks and being marched off the property by a cop, I hated that part. If it were just a $75 ticket, less than the most, I don't know, average speeding or parking ticket, why did they arrest him, though? Like, it's just a ticket. Why would you? You don't arrest someone when you give them a parking ticket. Why did they stuff David in the back of a police car? Not a lot of legroom, no air conditioning. Why did they make him sit in the back there for so long? Why? Wasn't it obvious? To abuse him, to punish him, to psychologically mess with him, to let him know that if he continues to embarrass Mayor Patrick Brown of Brampton, that he will be punished again and again. And maybe next time it'll be painful handcuffs done too tight. And then maybe next time it'll be night in jail. And maybe it'll be Friday night. So David will spend the weekend in jail. Just a message from Peel Regional Police. That's why you arrest someone for a laughable $75 ticket. All because David caught Patrick Brown sneaking in to play hockey in the public arena from which he had just banned the children of his city from doing the same. Holy mackerel, I think I see Patrick Brown himself. Oh, hey, how you doing? Mr. Brown, right? Yeah. David Manzi's with Rebel News. You're in, a, you're in a city facility? What's that? You're in a city facility? Yeah, so are yeah. you. Yeah. So, are you yeah. playing hockey here? Or? No, I'm just coming to check in our facility. So okay, I'm gonna, man. we're gonna check you. You're, you're not supposed to be here, actually. Okay. We were told that uh, you play pickup here. Mr. Brown, how come uh, the kids in Brampton can only practice sports, but your buddies can play hockey? Yeah. So, um, I don't know why um, you are harassing people in the city of Brampton, but you shouldn't be. Oh, who's harassing yeah. who? You're, you, you're, your guy handed out 122 bylaw violations in one week. Mr. Brown, why is there a hockey game going on in this arena? I thought you're only allowed to uh, practice sports, not play them. And who is paying the $1,000 a day, Mr. Brown, for this rink? Mr. Brown? Are these taxpayer dollars being used for your buddies to play hockey on this rink? Or are you paying it? Or perhaps we'll lead Solomon. So Mr. Brown, why is it one law for me and one law for thee in this city? Mr. Brown? So we're obviously going to fight this ticket. Just to be clear, trespass is an important law. I believe in it. If someone in your house is in your house, your yard, your business, you have the right to kick them out for any reason or no reason. There are some limits when you operate as a public space, like a major shopping mall. If you have big signs saying, hey, everybody enter the mall, there are some rights that a member of the public has. And of course, you can't discriminate as a business based on, let's say, race. So a mall couldn't kick out someone for being black. 
for instance, but generally, trespass laws are used by private property owners without limit, and I support that. But this was a public facility, a sidewalk on a parking lot on a public place. And parks in Brampton are covered by their own law that has a narrow list of reasons you can kick someone out. Breaking a noise limit, being abusive of other people, loitering past 11 p.m. You know, normal rules. Patrick Brown, <laughs> what a laugh. He's some control freak mayor, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, he is who he is. But you can't have a mayor say, you can't go into a public park of my city because I say so. If a mayor were to do that, we would just laugh at him and say, you're just a little politician. You're not the king. You don't actually own the property. We all do as citizens. You're just a little weirdo. Hush now, child. Everyone can use the park, even if the politician of the town doesn't like someone. There's no enemies list of people who aren't allowed to use the park. What a weirdo Patrick Brown is. But even more so, when David is at the park, not to play Frisbee or to play hockey, but to ask questions of the mayor about his misconduct. Then not only has the mayor not met the test to throw someone out for trespass, but it's worse than that. The journalist's right to do journalism, which is protected in our Charter of Rights, Section 2, that has been violated too. It's not just a parks bylaw that you're breaking now. Now it's the Charter right to freedom of the press. And that's what bugs me about these cops in Peel region. They didn't care. They were there to follow orders, no matter how corrupt or illegal the orders were, no matter how bizarre the hand-scrawled trespass orders were, like this weirdness banning Rebel News from any park for a year. But Rebel News is a corporate entity. It's not a, it's not a human person that can't trespass. It's, it's not a thing. It wasn't served on our corporation, this notice. We have more than 20 people who work for us. What does that even mean? That's not a real thing. That's literally as weighty as a child's doodle. And imagine the police actually obeying that. It's a doodle from a private corporation, you know, security guard paid by the mayor. You know, what a joke. That's not the law. I should tell you, after David was walked off the property, I walked back on with two of our cameraman, Mocha and Efron, all the way to the front, near the cops, near the private security, leisurely paced, just because. Maybe they were picking on David because he's so friendly, and I was growling so hard at the mall cops and the politicized real cops, they didn't want to argue with me. I don't know. So I just went back after David was walked off to show them that I don't bend the knee, and I, they didn't want a piece of it for some reason. So what do we do? Pay David $75 fine, right? No, never. It's illegal. It's false. It's wrong in form and substance. David has every right to be there. The cops ought to be ashamed of themselves for being Patrick Brown's playthings. I'm really embarrassed for the Peel Regional Police. I think maybe they were a little bit embarrassed too. You may not think it because I rail against political police so much, but I'm actually pro-cop. I hate Antifa and their riots. I hate criminals who have lit America on fire. I hate the criminal... Uh, gang that toppled the Sir John A. Macdonald statue in Montreal. By the way, the Montreal police were right there watching the whole thing, didn't do anything. So am I supposed to cheer for those political cops watching as uh, Sir John A. is torn down? Or the political city of Toronto cops who abided the shantytown in front of City Hall for a month and told us to leave? Or am I supposed to cheer the RCMP who abide the lawlessness along Canadian pipelines? Or am I supposed to cheer the RCMP in Alberta who stood idly by at the railroad blockades early in the year until some Normal Alberta boys just move the junk themselves in 10 minutes. I'm trying to cheer for the cops. I tell you I am. But when it counts, the cops obey their left-wing political masters and they allow politically correct crimes to proceed. I'm sorry. And when David asked the question of a thin-skinned mayor after catching him red-handed in the arena, 
The cops send out five cars. The cops are murdering their own reputation. If you call the Peel Regional Police and tell them your bike is stolen, they won't even come. Tell them your car was stolen, they might come by later on in the week when they have time. But sending five police cars within minutes, that's reserved for critics of the mayor. I'm embarrassed of the Peel Regional Police, and I think they are too, or they should be, the honest cops there. But where's the media here? As in the official media, the fancy ones who say that we at The Rebel are not real journalists. Uh, Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun mentioned this arrest in his column today. I'm glad he did. Uh, Mark Patron on radio. Of course, the fancy media party types say that uh, those two aren't real journalists either. But what about the CBC, CTV, Global, The Global Mail, The National Post, all the civil liberties groups, the media fancy pants from them? Silence, silence about David's arrest. They don't care. They're sort of glad David was arrested. They like it when we're censored. They censor us themselves. They ban us from press galleries when they can. Rex Murphy's own colleagues at the National Post are trying to get Rex Murphy fired from their own company. So of course they're going to hate us. And of course politicians just hate us because they don't control us because they don't pay our salaries like they do with the media party taking the bailout. I'm proud of David. We're going to fight his $75 ticket all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada if we need to. And we'll demand disclosure of all internal police communications. I simply don't believe that real police would send five police cars to arrest David Menzies without political direction. That $75 ticket is going to cost the police and Patrick Brown a lot more than it costs us. I guarantee you that. If you want to help us fight back, not with violence, that's the way of the left, but with the law, that's our way, please do. Go to SaveMenzies.com. He was arrested, put in the back of a cop car. He wasn't sent to jail. We sent out an email too quickly yesterday from our head office erroneously stating that he was sent to jail. Sorry for that error in the fog of the moment. He was just in the car. But jail is obviously the next step for him if he dares to do any more reporting on Patrick Brown. Do you doubt it? Say, what do you think of us moving our reporting of Patrick Brown from the ice hockey arena to City Hall? Do you think the police would still kick out David from City Hall and arrest him there? And do you think the media party would still remain silent about that if they did? <laughs> I think we all know the answers, don't we? Stay with us for more. Well, joining us now in person is the very courageous <laughs> David Menzies. David, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, obviously, you weren't going to be thrown into a dungeon. But to be arrested, to be manhandled, put in the back of a tight-fitting police car, no air conditioning, yeah. it's demoralizing. And who knew? I mean, we thought you were going to be sent to jail because you were in that car for a long time. And we thought you were going to jail. Or as I like to call it, Ezra, another day at the office. I mean, it was this time last year at the Andrew Shear press conference uh, at a rec center, too, that the RCMP uh, roughed me up, handcuffed me, and uh, thankfully the Durham Regional Police saw how ridiculous that was and they didn't proceed with charges. But you know what? Um, all kidding aside, this was basically, I thought, 
us replicating our late June caper going to Nathan Phillips Square, a filthy tent city occupied by thugs, uh, was violating 11 sections of the Trespass Act, yet they got to remain there for three entire weeks. Mm -hmm. And City Hall security and police were saying, get out of here, uh, you're causing a disturbance, i.e. Uh, practicing journalism, and you'll be arrested. And uh, you said, oh, no, we don't bend the knee for that kind of nonsense. Yeah, and that was the plan for yesterday. Yeah. But when a police officer just doesn't even listen to the law, says, I don't care what you have to say, didn't care what I had to say, didn't care what Giddy Mammon, our lawyer, had to say, and physically grabs you and stuffs you in the back of a police car, words and persuasion don't count anymore. And unless we were going to do something shocking and physical, like try to f pull you out of the car, which obviously we wouldn't have done. Yeah. There was nothing more to do. Um, on location, now after you were frog marched off the property, yeah. me and a couple of the other guys walked back on just to prove that despite what was done to you physically, we were not defeated. But now it shifts to the court of law. Mm. Now it shifts to fighting the $75 ticket, and it, it would make no commercial sense to do that exactly. for a normal person. Yeah. But we're, we are doing it because we don't believe it's a legitimate fine. We don't believe that you were trespassing by doing journalism on public property. But probably the most important thing to me is using the disclosure requirements of the government. When the government prosecutes you, yep. they have to do something called disclosure, which is just what it sounds like. They have to give you all of their stuff that relates to it especially anything, they use the phrase, exculpatory, anything that's to your benefit. So they don't just have to give you stuff that they want to. Right. They must give you stuff that they don't want to show you. And I expect that we will find what is so obvious to me. Five police cruisers do not swarm oh. a reporter <laughs> who's standing by himself outside a hockey arena yeah. by himself. That doesn't happen unless there's some hidden hand. And, and this is what we need to hang the action on, uh, Ezra, I think. So just to give the viewers context, when I first went there in the first week of August for my first uh, uh, caper to catch Patrick Brown up to his ice hockey shenanigans, I was given uh, two tickets by Paladin Security, one for me personally, one for every rebel employee. Now, we, I, I remember our lawyer, Aaron Rosenberg, literally laughing out loud when he saw this mm -hmm. because he had never seen such a thing where an entire company's uh, employee uh, base was given a ticket. Secondly, the, to call this a ticket is, um, is a stretch because these were pieces of paper with Paladin Security's corporate logo on it. It's, it's not something that is servable. It's not something that would be recognized by a court of law. And from what I could tell while I was uh, seated in the back seat of that cruiser, Ezra, it looked like the um, argument, the debate between you and the police officers on Wednesday was they were saying, you gotta fight this in court. And you were saying, rightfully, I think, there's nothing to fight. There's yeah. no there there. A right. trespass notice can be a hand-scrawled note. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if someone came on your property, you could have a note saying, get off. Yeah. But that's if it's on your property. Yeah. And the reason why, I mean, there were problems with the form of those notices. Like you say, you can't ban Rebel News. Rebel News is not a human being. <laughs> Rebel News can't tra <laughs> trespass. So they were, you're right. There was junk there. Yeah. Um, they didn't serve it. They didn't fill out their own form. There were a lot of problems with it yeah. in its form and substance. But the bigger problem was the substance. Because if you're on public property, you can't be 
ousted from public property without a, a particular reason and simply the mayor not liking you, that's enough for the mayor to kick you out of his house. I don't yeah. like you, get out. Yeah. All right, it's your house. I don't like you, get out of my barbershop. Okay, it's your barbershop, fine. I don't like you get off public property because I'm the mayor and I'm the king of all I survey. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> and that's the problem here is that these police were, and I, they gotta be smarter than this. If you're on public property doing public interest journalism yeah. and some mayor says, get him out. No, mayor, no. that's not how it works in a free country. Yeah, you know, we're getting a little um, context, aren't we, Ezra, to what happened more than two years ago when Patrick Brown was thrown out of his own party on that cold January night, uh, even though it looked like the PCs were headed to uh, forming the next government and probably would have still formed the next government. I don't think they would have gotten the supermajority Doug Ford got. But, um, you know, and, and back then, of course, there was Patrick Brown throwing social conservatives under the bus by flip-flopping on the mm -hmm. sex ed education, throwing the fiscal conservatives under the bus by endorsing a carbon tax for a manufacturing pro uh, province. And so when there was no other conservatives to throw under the bus, his own party threw him under the bus. But what a feeling of entitlement, isn't it? I mean, like, he was en route to becoming the premier of the uh, biggest province in, uh, in Canada and settles on becoming mayor of Brampton, a place he has no connection with. He's a Barry guy. And it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Remember the sales contest? Mm -hmm. First prize, Cadillac Eldorado. Mm -hmm. Second prize, set of steak knives. <laughs> but he's acting as though he's got the power of a premier. I, I, and I kind of misspoke there because this would be even inappropriate for a premier or a prime minister to do, yeah. to direct police to shut down the practice of journalism. Yeah, and that's the thing. And by the way, Brampton's a, lo a lovely town. I don't know what they did to deserve uh, Patrick Brown. <laughs> um, now, I saw that our friend Joe, Joe Warmington made mention of your arrest in his Toronto yeah. Sun column. I'm very glad he did, and I appreciate that solidarity. But other than that, I have maybe I haven't been looking uh, hard enough, but I have not seen any other journalist, yep. any other media company, any other media lawyer, any journalist NGO, like the Canadian Association of Journalists, Canadian Journalists for Free Expression, Penn International, Reporters Without Borders, uh, Committee to Protect Journalists, like there's, there's uh, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. I just named six groups that normally have a lot to say about journalist rights. Silence, and don't tell me they didn't know about it. Oh, no. The live stream yesterday was watched by well over a hundred thousand yeah. people of you being arrested and we were tweeting up a storm and i know a lot of these uh mainstream media journalists follow me on twitter follow rebel news on twitter they knew about it i think they're saying yep go ahead arrest david menzies we never liked him anyways and we might not like patrick brown but we sure hate the rebel this is an extremely important point, Ezra. I mean, the only media interview I've done, the only one I was asked to do, was from Saga 960 Talk Radio in Mississauga, and it went very well. You know what? I'm glad you reminded me of them. That's yeah. Mark Patron. Who Mark did, Patron. You know, okay, yeah. good for, Mark Patron and Joe Warmington, two journalists in this entire country who said a word. Exactly. But here's my point, Ezra. If you hate David Menzies, fine. If you don't like Ezra, fine. You don't like the rebel. You don't like our slant on things, fine. Even as a hater, if you're in the media business, you should get on board a crusade like this. Because this is not about supporting the rebel. This is about taking a stand for freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. I think once upon a time, not too long ago, 15, 20 years, we'd have all sorts of media allies 
But that isn't the case now, is it, Ezra? No, you're right. And I mean, when I was growing up, I, I didn't know much about, I mean, when, when I was a real youngster, I would see these strange things. I would see Nazis, I don't, I don't know if it happened, if I was just looking at news or if it was more history I was looking at, but in Skokie, Illinois. Yes. When you had neo-Nazis marching where there was a Jewish community, including Holocaust survivors. I think maybe I was looking at an old newsreel of that because I don't, I don't remember the year of that. But I was astounded that the lawyers that the ACLU sent to defend those Nazis, to defend the Ku Klux Klan, yeah. were almost always Jewish or black. Mm. And I just couldn't get over that. But it was so clear to me why. I mean, the, it's obvious why. That was the ACLU's way of saying, we utterly disagree with these Correct. Nazis and these Klansmen. We're sort of rubbing it in their face that we're Jews and blacks. But we know that it's better to fight for our freedoms in the first ditch than the last. And the ACLU despises Nazis and Klansmen. Yeah. But at least back then in the 70s and 80s, uh, they knew that they had to defend the law in the, in the rough cases if they wanted it for their own friends. I think the ACLU has lost a plot. And those five or six groups I just mentioned, they all think, oh, I hate Rebel News and David Menzies more then I love freedom of the press, because I'm not even a free press anymore. I work for Justin Trudeau's bailout. No, you're 100% right. I think you would find people at the ACLU, uh, Ezra, that endorse uh, cancel culture, which is just another fancy way of saying censorship. Well, certainly in Canada. If the ideas yeah. are offensive. You know, and uh, I, I can tell you, I remember coming across, it was a poll result in the United States on college campuses. Uh, I believe it was 51%. In other words, the majority of students said that they would be amenable to the First Amendment being modified if it was to banish any kind of free speech that was deemed hateful or offensive. Mm -hmm. That's astonishing. These are American students on American yeah. college campuses saying, yeah, you know what? This First Amendment thing, it's kind of, kind of going too far with the freedom of speech. Yeah. Well, I mean, even finding lawyers, Giddy Mammon was great. Oh, yeah. And Aaron Rosenberg's great. We've got some great free speech lawyers. But you'd be shocked at how many lawyers are so cowardly. Lawyers, again, maybe I'm showing my age, but when I went to law school, it was really made crystal clear that when you defend a client, <coughs> you're defending their rights in the system. Yes. And if you're in criminal law, doesn't mean you like murderers. No. Doesn't mean you like rapists. Uh, doesn't mean you like your client. It means you know that the system requires professional lawyers with, to follow the rules. Otherwise, it's a sham trial. I mean, it, it's meaningless if we just declare someone guilty without a proper process. So. The defense lawyer is an extremely important position. And it's, it takes a little while to understand that because when there's an odious, odious criminal, you just hate them and anyone around them. And it's hard to say, okay, I understand why the lawyer is necessary because first of all, maybe he's innocent. And second of all, even if he's guilty, we have to follow the process. Today, trying to find a lawyer in Toronto who will simply go and fight for rebel news and our freedom of the, uh, the press and freedom of speech is surprisingly hard because all these socially uh, upwardly mobile young lawyers who, who actually think they're going to be appointed to uh, judges or get a QC or they're just, it's so weird how they're so cowardly yeah. and they, 
They'll take a murderer as a client, but they won't take Rebel News as a client. Isn't that amazing? And I had this discussion with Aaron Rosenberg, and, and he was speaking uh, of his generation, the millennials, and yet you're right. We'll take on cases of murderers, serial oh, rapists. Omar Khadr's got an unlimited line of, of <laughs> would-be pro bono lawyers. A terrorist murderer right there, a pedophile. Yeah. But going to bat for a client that has wrong speak, wrong thoughts, mm -hmm. uh, political incorrectness in their estimation. Oh no, we, we don't touch that. Um, I hope, hopefully, Ezra, there'll be the pendulum swimming ba swinging back so that the next generation is gonna actually recognize and cherish free speech for what it is. Uh, I hope so, I see no um, sign of the pendulum swinging back. I think a lot will depend on the 2020 presidential election in the United States. Yeah. But I'm glad you're free. We're going to take the battle to court. And uh, we got a few more moves up our sleeves that we're not done with uh, yet in Brampton. But uh, I would say that yesterday was the best result we could get while still complying with the law. 100%. And I got to say, Ezra, as the saying goes, uh, success is the best revenge. I really believe right now, if I was a personal friend of Patrick Brown had his ear, he is suffering through buyer's remorse for what he did. As I said the other day, the worst thing he could have done, the, the, the knife with the twist, if he wanted to screw us, would have been to do nothing. Yeah. Have us stand there like a bunch of stooges in the sun in an empty yeah. parking lot. He didn't even show up for his hockey game. Yeah. And it would be a giant, enormous, and expensive nothing burger. But instead, um, if the disclosure turns out that he or his minions were behind this uh, incredible police response, you know, to basically exterminate a mosquito with a bazooka, it's going to look so bad and rightfully so. It'll look so bad from your point of view and from my point of view. But I think in his own weird way, I think that Patrick Brown thinks it was a victorious day yesterday because <laughs> you were thrown in the back of a police car. I think that's how he thinks. We know better. Yeah. We know that um, if you have a choice between being a bully, which yep. he is, or being a noble champion for free speech and civil rights, even if you suffer occasionally, yeah. we're on the right side of history 100%. here. And he's just a big bully. Yeah. He was taken down a whole bunch of notches in life, and now he's the mayor of Brampton. Those good people don't deserve to have that punishment. I, I don't know what happened. But he thinks he's some weird <laughs> boss of things. Um, that ain't true. The Constitution is the boss. And we're going to smoke out his involvement. I simply do not believe that five police cars are sent within minutes to arrest a journalist standing on a public sidewalk, armed with nothing but a microphone, without the meddling of a crooked mayor. We'll find out. You know, and, and you're right when you say, Ezra, the good people of Brampton don't deserve this. He has been on a jihad in terms of these Wuhan virus tickets. At last count, I believe it was well over 500 Bramptonians had been given those $880 uh, pandemic tickets. Uh, there was a gentleman who had a house party. Not only did he get the 880 ticket, but uh, Patrick Brown was looking at a mechanism where this person could be financially ruined with a $100,000 fine. He is harassing his own residents. He's going after them for lack of social distancing, playing in fields, not wearing a mask. Things he himself 
uh, has no respect for, even though he signed those things into law in the city of Brampton. It is disgraceful. Uh, he is completely tone deaf, and hopefully we can get a court to teach him a lesson. Yeah, that's why we call him Sneaky Patrick. <laughs> All right, David, good stuff. Well, listen, David's ticket's 75 bucks. We're not going to pay it. We're going to fight it. As I said yesterday, I think we're going to wind up spending $75,000, when you think about it, to appeal this and go to the Court of Appeal, and if necessary, all the way to the Supreme Court. It, frankly, will cost probably more than $75,000, but it's about setting the precedent and setting the new standard, the principle. Let the Supreme Court tell every would-be thug politician in this country that you can hate journalists all you like. It's probably a good default setting for politicians <laughs> to hate journalists. I feel the same way sometimes myself. But you cannot <laughs> ban them from public property. And if you need the Supreme Court to tell you so, well, we need to do that. All right, stay with us for more. On David's arrest last night, Diane writes, Wow, Patrick Brown, one law for thee and one law for me. That was necessary. Four Peel police cruisers? Yeah. And they came so quickly, too. Who knew that the four cruisers were just on standby? They didn't even come one, and then a bunch later another, and then a bunch later another. They were ready. <laughs> that was like a caravan. Mark writes, Thank God the Conservatives booted Brown before there was ever a chance of him becoming Premier. Can you imagine the mess we would be in if he was in charge? Oh, not just ideological, just absolute corruption. Don writes, Finally, the police are going after the bad guys instead of harassing innocent robbers and arsonists, a.k.a. rioters. Yeah, it's not just rioters. I mean, there are gangland wars going on in Brampton, but let's take five police cars off that because the mayor's feelings are hurt. Oh, my God. I think, you know what? There's a lot of terrible mayors in this country. I think Patrick Brown might be the worst. All right, folks, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.